Hello and welcome to this episode of Seablue Smarts. My name's Helen Brown. I'm the co-founder and director of Seablue Marketing and today we're talking about digital trends. Greg joins me on our virtual sofa today. So Greg, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, thanks Helen. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've joined uh, sort of Seablue from uh, quite a strong background in, in digital. I was uh, joined the IT industry about 30 something years ago, um, but in, for the last 18 or so years I've been working purely in the digital area. So I've written a couple of books on around digital. I've um, worked as a consultant for various companies and advised on uh, various aspects of digital and digital strategy. So yeah, so I've live, breathe, sleep, uh, digital. <laughs> Thank you. So today we're talking about digital trends and in particular I think changes to people's expectations around privacy. Uh, obviously we've got uh, lots of changes happening across different platforms to tracking cookies um, and that's going to change the way that we run our marketing and try to connect with our audiences. So um, the obvious place to start is what's happened? Give us a brief history, let us in on uh, the latest uh, the latest that's, that's going on in the market. Yeah, well, as usual, like anything in the IT industry, digital is constantly changing. Um, I remember the days uh, when you could put up an ad using Google AdWords, as it was then called. Um, people would look at it, they'd click on it freely. Uh, they would look at what you had to offer. And if they felt it was right for them, they would buy it. You know, that's that's that was the dream world. The reason why people would click on the ads is because they were at that time new and I'm talking about early 2000s now so ads weren't seen that often so people were a little bit curious about what they were and how they worked I think so you get a lot of clicks from people that were just curious but it was fairly simple just to put an ad up but of course there was no targeting there was no way of being able to say show the ad to this person not to this one and so on um, so we've gone from that to the other end of the coin, which is all about targeting. It's all about finding the audience. It's all about making sure that your ads are appearing in the right places and that they're saying the right things, or at least that's how it should appear, right? Um, a lot of uh, companies and agencies don't necessarily get that right, <laughs> which we can talk about later on. So yes, yeah, so digital has moved quite rapidly from basically let's just put up an ad and, and get people to self-select through to who do you want to target this ad to what are you going to say to them and what are you going to where do you want them to go next and how do you want them to behave mm. so there's two sides to this aren't there really because you know each one of us as an individual would absolutely put our hands up and say yeah we want our privacy to be protected and mm. um, so actually on a personal level really in favour of, of what's happening and, and what the platforms are doing but it does create some challenges for the way that we manage the work that we've been doing in the past you know x number of, of years so um, what specifically is changing can you, can you give everyone a quick a quick overview yeah sure well there are a few things that are happening you've mentioned privacy a couple of times and that's something obviously that's top of mind at the moment so we'll be talking a lot about privacy as as we progress through through this conversation but there are basically four things really that um, people and businesses should be concerned with privacy being the first one as I said we'll come back to that the second one is is how the purchase life cycle has changed um, I mean, it's, it's been well known that consumer behavior has changed drastically and especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, but also business 
purchasing life cycle has changed significantly as well and we'll talk more about that so that's the second thing the third thing is as more channels have become available across which to advertise then that's given marketers more challenges in how you track the customer journey across all of those channels and the third thing uh, sorry the fourth thing is artificial intelligence something that you either love or you hate all right but a lot of people are resisting artificial intelligence, especially in the marketing sphere, um, simply because they see it, I think, partly as a threat to their jobs. And again, we'll, we'll talk more about that later on. But artificial intelligence is certainly playing a big part now. It's going to play an even bigger part in the privacy um, arguments and, and how we work with, with privacy and still honour that and still be able to target. But it's also going to have, in my view anyway, a much bigger role to play in, in the future. So that's something that, again, is going to be quite a big driver. OK, so when it comes to our um, marketing activities, marketing campaigns, what are the things that in practical terms are changing? What's impacted and what do marketeers need to think about as they move forward with their you know, quarterly plans for this year? Yeah. OK, yeah, let's get down to some practical stuff. Talk theory. <laughs> so <laughs> so the biggest, yeah, the, big, the biggest thing is really how you're going to continue to track um, your campaigns, how you're going to continue to target your audience successfully. Um, the big privacy argument really has come about largely through people being more and more concerned about their behavior being tracked. Okay, as targeting has grown up, um, companies like Google and Microsoft as well have introduced ways of being able to see what behavior people are exhibiting when they're online. So in other words, what websites are they visiting? In what order did they visit them? What things were they looking at? What did they do next? And this kind of got into the press a, a couple of years ago uh, in a big way. Um, and there have been a lot of instances of, of people falling foul of that recently in the US. Uh, for example, there was a um, very irate father who found out that his 16 year old daughter was pregnant, not because she told him, but because he'd seen an ad targeted at her for baby grows. OK, and this ad had come to her because of some of the sites that she had visited. All right. So that's again raised the issue of, well, where's our privacy? If, you know, if Google can second guess that um, my daughter is pregnant, for example, before I even know it, what other things do they know about us? And that doesn't isn't just exclusive to, to, to Google. Obviously, it's Facebook, it's Microsoft uh, Bing, you know, Microsoft ads, and it's all those kinds of things as well, and those target those platforms as well. Um, so it's this concern over privacy that's largely driven um, the uh, regulations that have come in. Um, we all remember 2018, the year of GDPR. Um, I was acting as an advisor to the Federation of Small Businesses in Cornwall, and my sole job was to go around businesses explaining to them what GDPR was, what they should be afraid of and not afraid of, and what they should be doing to make sure that their email list doesn't disappear overnight. Um, and unfortunately for a lot of businesses, it did. <laughs> but um, we're also seeing similar 
um, regulations as well. Uh, California last year produced a, a similar um, privacy um, regulation that was very similar to GDPR. Um, some of the other states are writing their own privacy regulations at the moment, so we'll see more of those rolling out towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. Brazil now are introducing their version of GDPR and it's going to just roll out. So if you're just selling in the UK, obviously you're going to be facing GDPR, but if you branch out into the US or, or elsewhere, you're not going to escape it. So one fallout of this has been these things called third party cookies. OK, these little files that sit on your computer that can be read by an application through your web browser um, so they can see what you've logged on to, what you've visited, what you've searched and so on and so forth. Um, these are gradually going away. So frantically, the likes of Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Apple are modifying their browsers, their technologies to make sure that A, they don't allow these cookies to be read any further. Um, Apple produced this uh, version of Safari uh, towards the end of last year, which um, no longer reads any third party cookies. The biggie is going to be Chrome next year, which is going to stop completely reading third party cookies. And some um, spokespeople in the industry are saying that as a result of that, 50% of CPMs um, are are going to disappear overnight for these big publishers. So it's going to have a, a massive, massive impact. So the concern is with all of that, what can I practically do to get to the practical things? What can I practically do then to, to look at this? That's right, because so, you know, we use it every day. We use cookies every day for looking at who's, who's come to our website, where have they come from, to help us to connect with the right target audience when we want to serve ads to them. We don't want to be serving ads to an audience that are not right for our product solution or business. So how exactly. does all of that shift? How does our behavior as marketers shift? Yep. Well, the first thing we have to be concerned with now is something called first party data, which you'll hear a lot about. Um, first party data has been spoken about for the last two or three years by certain vendors who have offerings in this space where they've got data that's already consented and data that um, can be tapped into by you know, individual companies to, uh, to then use for targeting purposes. But first party data is really data that you own, data you've rightfully been given access to by your client, um, your customer um, in agreement for you know, contracting business with them or marketing to them. So it's, it's very much consent driven. Now, some businesses will have this data, but they're probably not doing anything with it because they don't need to because of the targeting that's available at the moment. But it is going to become a lot more important that first party data is going to drive um, a lot of your targeting. It's going to drive a lot of your messaging and how you actually conduct your campaigns. So if you haven't got any first party data at the moment, then you need to go out and get some pretty pronto. OK, so that means obviously making sure that any data you've got access to is currently consented data that you can use. Um, if not, you may have to go out and talk to companies who will have this data in your market space. So that's going to be the biggest challenge. The second challenge is is understanding how you're targeting at the moment. So if you're targeting based on behavior, 
if you're targeting based on life events, so for, ex for example, if you're selling to businesses that sell to the wedding market, for example, then the life event getting married or got engaged is quite an important event you will be targeting or wanting to track. That is going to go away in the new world of cookie-less, in the new cookie-less world, let's say. So your targeting is going to significantly shift. It's going to shift purely to interest targeting. And the reason why it's going purely to interest targeting, which is something that Facebook has used for years and so has Google, yeah. but the reason why it's shifting to that is because that's one of the only ways in which you can build a big enough group of people that they're totally anonymous, simply because of the volume of people sitting in that audience. So you have to think about how is my marketing now? How are my campaigns going to be impacted? if I can only focus on interest targeting? And what can I do with my first party data that's going to make it a little less generic in terms of my targeting and a bit more meaningful? Sorry to leap in, um, but oh, when it comes to our B2B audience then, to me that says we need to put more emphasis on really understanding who that audience is and what their interests are because I suppose in a consumer sense, knowing interests and, and running campaigns and activities based on interest is perhaps more commonly done, whereas yeah. in the business space, understanding in detail what interests are, it, that has to come from you know really in-depth understanding of personas and, and, and research, primary research. Does, so does it put us back to actually businesses really need to look at the, their foundations of their of their marketing and the understanding of their audience to then get better at targeting them again in this new world. Absolutely, they do. I mean, the description I've given makes it sound like I'm describing somebody who's selling to consumers, mm. but actually I was describing businesses who are selling to businesses. Mm. New interest groupings will appear that will be B2B specific, mm. um, but at the end of the day, the people working within those businesses are still people, they're still consumers, they're still going to have interests that of course relate to the business that they own or relate to the business that they're working in mm -hmm. um, because of the job that they're doing. Mm -hmm. But they will also have external interests that you may not have targeted before mm -hmm. because you would have considered those to be only for consumer mm -hmm. uh, sales rather than B2B sales. And by understanding those consumer driven interests, it also helps you to understand you know, how a particular business functions with, within that. So yes, the interest targeting is is a big issue. And yes, you, you're going to have to go back to square one and say, okay, I might have skipped over some of the personas or I might have a persona that I haven't revisited for years. Um, and I now you need to look at it with these new glasses on this in this new light as to, so what first party data do I have to actually support this persona to say that it's actually actually valid and works for me now and what if I haven't got any or, or it's not particularly good what do I need to do to, mm -hmm. to fill that out and the first step mm -hmm. of course is really understanding that persona really understanding what that business is really about mm -hmm. and what the issues are that are really driving them yeah yeah okay so we've got first party data becomes really really important and interest-based targeting which interestingly to me really aligns quite nicely with where uh, a lot of brands are going and I really believe it's important is telling more about the story of yourself as a business selling in a b2b space to human beings it's not all about features and comparison lists and tables and technical information if people buy people that's just yeah. business 
and and lots of companies are already doing that as um as they absolutely should be so there's there's two things first party data first party data and audience targeting is there a yeah. third factor or any other factors that we need to be considering um yes um i would say that the the one of the key things is that people often target their starting point of targeting is what keywords are people typing in um so let's start with selecting keywords let's use a keyword tool let's find out what typically people are searching for and it might sound a bit strange but keyword targeting is becoming less and less effective and less and less important and one of the reasons behind this is that even today google are still seeing about 15 percent of daily searches um, using words and phrases that they've never seen before okay and this was even prior to the pandemic. I mean, what's interesting is as the pandemic started to take hold towards the middle of, of last year, Google started to see a lot of searches start, that started with ideas for beginners on and then a topic. Okay, they'd never seen that kind of search before. People had searched for training in accountancy or training in needlework or whatever it happens to be. Now they're seeing, you know, ideas for beginners starting to work for themselves. Ideas for beginners starting to sell X, Y, Z. Okay, so that's just an illustration. So yes, today keywords are still important. But as we move forward, it's going to be certainly be more ironically, it's going to be more audience focused and less keyword focused. So, again, I come back to this first party data mm -hmm. that, you know, if your first party data has details of the kinds of interests that this your customer uh, has and what drives that business and why they're in business in the first place. That's a very valuable piece of information with your first party data that you can immediately use for targeting. OK, because that's something that's unique to your environment. Mm -hmm. That's not something you can necessarily target from the outside with a great deal of knowledge without a great deal of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's really you need to think about again targeting but you also need to think about how you're going to retarget as well one of the reasons why there's this big privacy debate is that a lot of people have had adverts following them that have been completely meaningless to them yeah i don't know if you've come across this helen yourself you know you may have visited a uh, an e-commerce site and then suddenly you see their clothing or their shoes or you know a piece of technology that's following you around all over the place even on sites where it's totally unrelated and this it starts to get annoying mm -hmm. that's a misuse of retargeting so we as marketers have to take some of the blame for this change in the market by being lazy and not necessarily targeting uh, sufficiently well that the retargeting um, was happening too frequently, um, causing annoyance. Because again, these are the things that stick in people's minds, which is yeah. why there is this big privacy debate. So it's the audience targeting, it's the retargeting, it's reviewing how reliant are we on keywords, what we're trying to target in a keyword, would it be better being targeted as an interest? Um, that's that's obviously a key thing to look at, and also. Um, artificial intelligence automation. Now, there's probably a lot of people listening to this or watching this cringing, thinking, oh my goodness, you know, automation, 
it's going to take over my job. I won't be able to optimize campaigns anymore. What am I going to do for a living? Right. And there are a lot of agencies out there as well um, that are going to be worried about this because they are providing day to day optimization of bids, uh, positioning of ads, at wording of ads, looking at click through rates, conversions and so on. Um, so any agencies that are managing accounts at the moment, and if you've got a, a an agency managing your account, then you're going to need to understand how their services are going to change to support that as well. So they're going to become more data analysts rather than people who are actually just going to be managing a campaign day to day. And they're going to be people that are going to be feeding data to the artificial intelligence algorithms so that they work better for you. Because obviously it's all right building an AI algorithm. Google's algorithms are very clever, but they're still not tailoring exactly to your market or how you sell in your market. The only way they can do that is by having this first party data introduced into that algorithm. And that's what Google are doing at the moment in terms of the changes they're putting in Google Ads and Microsoft are doing the same thing with Microsoft Ads. So artificial intelligence is def definitely something that you're going to have to take on board, whether you like it or not. And it can be very powerful. Uh, there are some case studies already of larger companies who have used a mixture of broad match keywords, ironically, smart bidding and um, also interest targeting. And they've seen massive increases in conversions mm -hmm. and massive drops in CPA. So it, it does work under the right conditions. Mm -hmm. But certainly agencies that are servicing this market and clients who are employing agencies to, to manage their paid campaigns need to make sure their agency is looking at this now so that they can start to move over to more of a data analysis support function mm -hmm. rather than simply a day to day. How, how much are you spending and have we hit budget and have we hit targets kind mm -hmm. of approach. Mm -hmm. So actually changes across the board, changes for agencies, changes for marketing leaders and for internal in-house teams as well and there's so so many different aspects to it aren't there it's a lot to think about this definitely isn't the last the last word on any of it i think um we're all learning new behaviors and new approaches as we go aren't we yes we are yeah and certainly one of the key things is that you know i've always had the philosophy and i know we have the same here at c blue is of abt is always be testing Right. And it never more become so more important as it is now. Um, you know, it's always important to have some campaigns that you're trying slightly different targeting methods on, um, especially when you start to introduce your first party data. You're going to want to target, target that data and use that data in slightly different ways. Mm -hmm. But you're also going to be focusing more on how is the AI serving what I need it to serve? And if it's not doing what I need it to do, what do I need to introduce into the algorithm that makes it produce a much better result for me? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to scare people and make them think they're going to turn from marketers into data scientists. You don't need quite that level of understanding, but you do need to test sufficiently that you can see how the algorithm, what decisions the algorithm is taking. Mm -hmm. Now, in the past, Google have been very bad at making uh, the algorithm decisions transparent because obviously they don't want people to know how an algorithm works because they're always going to try and dupe it, right? You just look at the SEO um, industry. It's been built on trying to dupe or understand how the algorithm works mm -hmm. and try to get around it in some way. Okay, so Google don't want that to happen, but they are making 
the um, activities that the algorithm and the decisions that the algorithms are taking more transparent. Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to start being rolled out within Google Ads Insights, for example, over the coming months. So you'll be able to see when you input your first party data, what direct impact that's had on where an ad appears uh, or how an ad is built and how it's been responded to and how the algorithm responds to that as well. And again, you're going to see the same thing in Facebook. You're going to see the same thing in, in Microsoft ads as well. It's not going to be by any stretch unique to Google, but obviously Google are leading the way on this at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think the key the key thing for everybody listening or watching is keep the line of communication open with whomever you're working with, whether that's internal discussions or external. Have the conversation, ask the questions. It's really, really important. Exactly. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it has been very informative um, and uh, yeah, more to be said in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, no problem at all, Helen. Thanks very Thanks, much. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.